Take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Isaiah, a Psalm, and then turn right to the big prophet. Excuse me, large prophetic book. I don't know if he's a big prophet or not. The large prophetic book of Isaiah, chapter 61. Now we're, <clears throat> we're looking at the joy of Jesus in the book of Philippians. We're going to start in Isaiah. Tonight we're going to talk about fighting. Fighting for joy. And I'm going to tell you, we're living in a day, you'll have to fight for it. And you need to learn how to fight for joy. And you need to make up your mind. It's God's gift to me, and Jesus died on a cross to give it to me. And horny head who is a thief, who came to steal, knows what he can do to you if he can steal your joy from you. And you need to make up your mind. He's not going to get it. Jesus gave it to you as a gift, and you don't need to surrender what Jesus gave you, especially to a punk like him. My goodness. All right, Isaiah chapter 61. I want you to, I don't know if you're familiar. Are you familiar with Isaiah 61? Does anybody know what this is? You need to know this. Very important. This is 800 years before Christ came to earth. This is the prophetic passage that says this is what he'll do. Uh, when Jesus first, the first time he ever stood up and said, I am Christ, this is the very passage he quoted. And this is the, uh, well, this is the mission statement of Christ when he came to the earth to redeem it. And uh, I want you to read this with me. He, he told you there's several things he came to do for you in here. Isaiah 61. And this is, matter of fact, if you'll read Luke uh, if you're going to the book of Luke, read the book of Mark chapter 6. The first time Jesus spoke, he said, this is the scripture that's talking about me. And every one of you knew it because they'd been in synagogue all their lives. And he said, this scripture that all of you have been waiting for hundreds of years to be fulfilled, I'm it. I'm the one that came to do what you've been waiting for all these years. And here's the scripture, Isaiah 61. He said this in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. When did that happen? He's 30 years old. Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan. He came up out of the water and the Spirit of God came down on him like a dove out of heaven and landed on him. And Jesus said, now God's hands on me. The Spirit of God's on me. And he has empowered me or anointed me. And here's, some, here's what he came to do. To preach good news to the humble. Jesus said, I didn't come to beat people up. I didn't come to destroy people. I came to bring good news to humble people that'll listen to what I've got to say. Number two, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now, don't, we're not talking about Hallmark movie stuff here. Every human being is wounded at heart level through rejection as a child, childhood issues, uh, different things. Everybody's wounded at heart level. And Jesus said, I've come to heal the wounded heart or heal the broken heart. And that's the work of the Spirit of God is to heal the broken heart in people so that people can live free. Uh, you ever heard of insecurity? Low self-esteem? Those are wounded heart issues. And Jesus came to fix that stuff. Verse three, to proclaim liberty to the captives the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Two separate things. If I get hooked on pornography, drugs, alcohol, hatred, racism, if I do something and I get hooked on it, uh, he, he came to proclaim liberty. He didn't come to beat me up for it. He came to liberate me from that. See, the, that is what I do to myself. Now, if somebody else brings me into bondage through the way I was treated or, or a situation, that's oppression. And he came to set people free from whatever it was, whether they did it to themselves or somebody else did it to them. He, of course, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And that's number four. Verse three, uh, excuse me, verse two. Number four, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God. God is angry. Vengeance is anger. God is angry about what an unholy devil has done to his people. And it's the day for him. Jesus said, I've come to bring the anger of God down on the evil one and to help my people. 
course, the, to declare the favorable year of the Lord is simply to say this, God's going to be good to you. God's going to show you favor. And that was the year of Jubilee in the Jewish calendar. Every 50 years, anything anybody even threw away, it had to be given back to them. That's called Jubilee, and that's the favorable year. They said, God's come to be good to you. And he's come to take it out on the enemy who's done this to you. To comfort those who mourn, verse 3, to console those who mourn in Zion. Watch these words. Here's what we want to look at. To give them beauty for ashes. Am I going to ashes in your life? Past relationships burned down, dreams burned down. I'm going to tell you, you know, ashes are, are a sign of failure and I don't like looking back there. I'm going to put beauty where you're hurting at. Beauty for ashes. Now watch this. To give them the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's what we want to focus on tonight. See the word oil. Anytime you see the word oil in the Bible, it's the Holy Spirit. Tell me what the Bible calls the Holy Spirit right there. He's the spirit of joy. He's the oil of joy. And he said, where people are mourning and hurting and under a, what, what did the Bible call it? A spirit of heaviness. There's a spirit of heaviness on the land. You know, we're not talking about the Holy Spirit there. The, the, the uh, gloom, the depression, the, the hopelessness, the emptiness, that is spiritual. And so brother, that's because of what I've been through. What's the Bible say? Heaviness is a spirit. Heaviness is a demonic presence. It's on the nation right now. And people get under this oppression, this oppressing spirit that, that just beats them down and wears them down and, and it's discouraging and depressing and defeating and they're defeated and they're down. That is a spirit of heaviness. What did Jesus say I've come to do? I've come to give them the oil of joy for the gar- and the garment of praise for the spirit. I've come to replace that heaviness with a spirit of joy. This garbage that's on you, this misery and this fear about the future, I've come to take that away and, re- and leave you with joy to take the misery out of your life and leave you with joy. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Jesus came to, to do more than just save you for eternity. He came to save you in the nasty here and now. And this is the promise of Jesus that he'll bring joy. Now, all right, so I have a promise here that uh, I want you, let me finish real quick. We'll finish that verse. Let's go back to verse three. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. You may cut to the chase. Depressed, defeated, fearful Christians do not bring glory to God in the earth. What glorifies God? A bunch of hollering, overcoming, joy-filled, peaceful believers brings glory to God in the earth. He came to get the heaviness and the junk off of us and give us a spirit of joy so that he could be glorified through us in the earth. And he's doing this all over the world. This is one of the great things happening right now. It's, uh, can you see this? Was in this? I don't know if you saw it or not. There's the promise of a battle here. There's the promise of a battle. Why don't, the Bible calls it a spirit of heaviness. Who's your enemy? You're in a battle with heaviness and, and depression and, and hopelessness are the tools of the enemy. And there is a battle. You can see that clearly in here. Uh, now, I'm going to just see something else here. This discouragement, this gloom, this misery, it is spiritual. It's spiritual. To walk in the joy and the strength of the Lord, there has got to be a battle. You have got to battle for joy and for strength. And uh, let me just give you some insight into what the scripture teaches about this. Now, <clears throat> The Bible said that the thief comes. We're going to be, we better start taking that guy serious. Our nation mocks at him. He has eaten our lunch. He owns this nation right now, and we don't even believe he exists. All right. Why would my enemy come against me to steal my joy? I know he wants to steal my family. 
He hates your marriage. He hates marriage because it's a picture of Jesus and the church. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your health. But why would he go after my joy? Why, why, is he, why is that one that he picks on so much? Why would he go after my joy? Very simply, if he steals your joy from you, he's going to steal three things out of your life. Number one, he's going to steal your strength away from you. We saw last week, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Do not sorrow. Even when you make mistakes, don't be sorrowful because the joy of the Lord is your strength. You lose your joy, you lose your strength. He knows if I can steal their joy through things going on around them or their own mistakes, then they'll be weak. I can steal their joy. Number two, if he steals your joy from you, he can steal the enjoyment of life away from you. God didn't create you to suck eggs and waller through. God didn't create you to struggle through. These stupid songs, just a few more weary days, they're born in hell. That's not what the Bible teaches. I, I could take you all through the scripture, but my favorite is, I love Ecclesiastes. This is your lot in life to enjoy the labor of your hands. Enjoy the wife of your youth, young man. Enjoy, your, enjoy everything. This is God's gift to you. 1 Timothy 6, 17 says, God has given us everything to enjoy. Well, you know, when you're miserable, you can't enjoy nothing. So he steals the enjoyment of your life. You can't even enjoy your family, your kids, the things God gave you. So it does that. But listen to number three. Listen to this now. If Satan steals your joy, he steals your influence in the earth. If he steals your joy, he'll steal your influence. How many of you see somebody's just miserable and pathetic and they're whining and you say to yourself, man, I want what they got. We have no influence when we're miserable. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. Let your light, God has placed you strategically in a family, a business, a community. Let your light so shine before men that they might watch you and glorify God people supposed to look at us and say, they're going through the same mess I'm going through. They got the same dumb boss I got. What is it about them? If he steals your joy, he steals your influence. Uh, matter of fact, I want you to listen. You were talking about a picture of this, Psalm 58, where David had sinned so greatly. Listen to what he said. Restore to me the joy, the joy of your salvation. Then I will teach sinners and they will be converted to you. What did the Bible say the key to people coming to Jesus is? God's people getting their joy given back to them. I'm telling you, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And uh, this, this is why they just, our enemy so hates it. All right. <clears throat> there was there, I've mentioned this before, but I'm telling you prophetically, there is a demonic cloud of heaviness on this nation right now. I've, I've told you before, go back to the 1960s and watch old TV shows. You know what you see? People are smiling. They're alive. They're walking quicker. Their heads are up. There's a lightness about them. Fast forward. I'm 30 years old. We're living in peace. And I'm up on Sunday morning. I'm ironing my shirt and I'm watching Oral Roberts on TV. Now, it used to be Sunday mornings is where preachers are on TV. And you'd watch uh, Maud Amy and Claw them. And, and I'm watching Oral Roberts and he's prophesying. He said, in the coming years, I see a heavy, dark cloud coming over the United States. And he kept talking about that. I'm, watch, I'm ironing and watching that, and just, it hit me in the heart like a ton of bricks. I've seen it happen. And uh, matter of fact, while we're there, look across the page at Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60, listen to what he says here. Now, this is a prophecy of the latter days. You know, one third of the Bible is prophecy about the future, and most of it is about the latter days. This is one of them. Verse one, arise and shine. It didn't say wine, it said shine. For your light has come. The glory of the Lord's risen upon you. Watch this prophecy. Darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness the people. 
Well, it's not talking about physical darkness. It's talking about the demonic darkness of, and you can see it in, in the situation we're living in right now. Demons darkness is a, a word in the Bible for heaviness and depression and fear. And you, you just see this stuff all over the land right now. I won't give you the statistics medically. I'll just, I'll just give you one. One third of all women between 30 and 50 years old is taking psychotic medication in this nation. That's a spirit of heaviness on the nation. Well, the, I'm not against medication. If, it, if it's a bridge to help get you somewhere, fine. Do you know what the real answer is? I'll give you the oil of joy for that spirit. It's the joy of the Lord, the Holy Spirit that we need for that. And uh, let, me, let me just mention this to you. Our enemy works in your life. Now, now let me tell you something about this enemy of ours. Why is he compared to a serpent? What's the one thing you can never hear coming up on you? You can hear a hippopotamus coming up on you. I, when I'm, I can even hear a deer coming up through the woods real quick. Crunch, crunch. You, can't, you ever heard a serpent slip by? They're subtle and they come up, you don't know it. That's why they're called subtle. And uh, he's going to work in our lives. Let me tell you what he's going to use to steal your joy. Problems. He's going to hammer your problems to steal your joy. Your personal problems. Or he's going to keep you so glued to TV and so glued to the media and so glued to news. I'm surprised you don't blow your brains out watching that stuff. <laughs> so caught up in family problems, drama like never before. Number two, your enemy will use people to steal your joy. I got some certified joy stealers in my church. Don't work with me though. I love to return the favor. There are people, I, I think their degree is in joy stealing. I'm the, and he'll just, <laughs> not going to whine there. Now listen to what this Bible says. He'll get in your head and he'll steal your, thought, your, your joy through thoughts. Boy, there's, there's where we're getting killed right there. We, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. The Bible's very clear. You better put on the helmet of deliverance. Helmets protect your head. And the battlefield is the mind. And he'll get in your head. For, uh, 2 Corinthians 10 is very clear. He'll get in your head with thoughts and ideas and, and mess. And they'll, they'll cause you to go lower in a wagon, snake's belly in a wagon rut. All right. And let me tell you this. He'll use a dark, there is a dark presence. I can get around it and just feel it in the spirit. It's just this gloomy presence. This, sometimes there's a profane presence. I've got a gift called discerning spirit. I can just discern the spirits around me. No few times, a while back, I'm walking down a hall in a hotel and I just stopped right outside the door and stood and stared at that door. There was such a spirit of filth and, and uh, uh, sexual filthiness and it was just coming outside the door. I just sense it in the spirit. I wouldn't mind find out what's going on in there. Oh, you got a good idea. But it was that there is a, there's a spirit. It, it's a literal dark presence that gets on people. You, I said, what's wrong with you? I don't know. There is a presence because the spirit of the, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of joy. And uh, let me mention one more. He'll use religion to steal your joy in a heartbeat. Religious people have been trying to steal my joy all my life. I ain't letting them. I'm like, David, I'm going I'm to be worse than this. You want to look that up sometime. One of the funniest things, that, well, it's not funny, but you, here's a picture of it. Second Samuel chapter six. David was a, the great worshiper of God and he was a man who knew the joy of the Lord. And one day he led Israel in a procession of worship. They go worship God and they, they, didn't, they didn't scrunch their faces up like this. I mean, he was dancing before the Lord and full of joy. He was so excited about what God was doing. And uh, they, the service closed. He came back in and his wife's name was Michael. Well, if I was married to somebody named Mike, I'd probably be having a bad day too. But she came back in and, and Michael jumped him. 
Listen to what she said. How dignified looked the king of Israel today jumping around out there in front of us. She went off on him because of the way he praised God because of his excitement and his joy. She leaned into him. And uh, she was humiliated that somebody would worship God that freely with that kind of joy. And uh, you have a Satan working through your wife trying to steal your joy. Well, he just said, <clears throat> you want me to tell you what he said? You thought it was good today. Wait till Wednesday night and see what I do. He said, I will be even more undignified than this. He said, I'll jump higher next time. And of course, she was cursed because of her attitude. And listen, he'll use people in your life to steal your joy. Make up your mind they're not going to. Make up your mind you're not going to. That's good for an amen. All right. Now listen to me. Jesus gave me his joy as a gift. We saw this last week. John chapter 15, where Jesus said, these things I speak that you might have my joy in you and your joy might be full. He, want, he has given you a gift of joy and your enemy wants to steal it away from you and wants to take it from you. All right. <clears throat> he ain't doing it. Let me, let me just point something out here concerning a spiritual battle. If you go into default mode, you know what default mode is? I, I'm not much about computers. Uh, one of our guys just said, well, I'll, I'll teach you. I said, you don't understand. I don't want to learn. I, I just don't. I like talking to people face to face. And uh, on my computer, if you don't put something on there, there's a default picture there. It's a picture of a fishing, you know, mountain in the water and all that. If, if you don't do something, that's what's coming up. You listen to what I'm fixing to say. Gloom is the default mode now. Having emptiness is the default mode now. If you don't do something, you're going to be gloomy. Nobody is delirious by accident. Joy don't jump on you like a pear falling off a tree. If you don't fight for it, as we're going to see in the Bible, gloom will be the default mode because of what's in this nation, sucking the life out of us. And uh, that's why we've got to fight for joy. All right, we're going to look at the scripture. Well, let's go to the book of Philippians where it talks about fighting for joy. And there is this is so wonderful. Now, I'll be honest with you. It's not that hard either. You know one of the great verses I love, 1 John chapter 5. I've heard people say all my life how hard it is to follow Jesus. What Bible are you reading? The Bible said in 1 John, it says this. We keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not hard. Now, church will drive you nuts with the junk they put on you. There's what Jesus came to give you life. He didn't come suck life out of you. And Philippians chapter 4 is this, this great passage about fighting for joy. And I'm going to show it to you tonight. I want you to look at it. Just look at it in Scripture. Listen with your heart. And, uh, but I want to make an announcement here. You've got to do it. You've got to do what it says. We've got to be doers of the Word and not just hearers. And I want you to see what Scripture says to you tonight. And it's going to challenge you a little bit. Uh, don't... Well, let's just listen to it. Now, this fighting for joy. All right, there's one command in the Bible I love to obey. I like to keep all of them. But there's one command in the Bible I love to obey and I'm going to obey it for the rest of my life. I want you to look at me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. The Bible said this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Question. Does that look like a command to you? Did he tell you to do it? Ask me if I'm mad because I have to be happy. Was, let, let me read this verse. Let me read this verse to you from another, the, the word rejoice from another, the uh, New Living Translation. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Who wrote that? Why would he write that? All right. <clears throat> now, I want you to observe three truths out of that one word, rejoice in the Lord. All, what's the word always mean? Oh, you're spiritual in here. 
right, I'm going to make three observations out of this to challenge you, see what you think. Number one, it can be done. It, it can be done. You can walk in the joy of the Lord. You can rejoice in the Lord all the time. It can be done. And uh, let me ask you a simple question again. Who wrote this? God Almighty wrote this. What's he saying right here? He's speaking. He's bringing you some good news. People say, I, I can't. Let me tell you something. This was good news when I saw this. Because religion had taught me you had to be sad and depressed and look like you've been sucking eggs all your life and you was mad at somebody. That's what they taught me by example. The Word of God tells me, walk in joy all the time. I said, fine by me. Now let me point this out. <clears throat> so I don't believe God means for us to be joyful all the time. Why did He tell you to do it? Number two, it is God's will for you to live in joy. Right there it is. But now listen to me. Here, here's, where we, here's where we start rubbing. Joy is a choice. You have to choose it. It's, it's a choice. Uh, I think people get this, some crazy ideas in their head. We need to stick with the word. Abraham Lincoln, I, I think he's one of the greatest men that ever lived. I love to quote him. He's one of the most quotable people. One of his famous quotes, I'm sure you've heard this. Abraham Lincoln said, most people are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. And what he said was, it's a choice. So the Bible tells me here, it's a choice. Now, let me point out a couple of things. Number one, it's not genetic. You think, well, there are certain people who are just happy people. That's unscriptural. It's not genetic. I, didn't, I don't have the joy gene. I don't have the depression gene either. There, this stuff isn't in our genes. You say, well, Brother Brian, I've read the personality profile types. Would you throw that garbage in the trash and buy you a Bible? What word are you going to live by? Because I'm melancholic. Get healed. Get saved. Become a follower of Jesus. Go with the Bible and throw them booger books in the trash where they belong. I need one book to live by. My goodness, it's not genetic. Now listen to me. Here we go. This is where we're really going to have fun here. It's not circumstantial. Joy is not hinged on my circumstances. If it was, well, I'd all go to the psych hospital. I mean, it's not. Joy is not circumstantial. I told you, read this book, Philippians. The man, I rejoice. Joy flows out of this book. He was in prison, fixing to be executed. He was being lied about. If ever a man was in a tight spot, he was. And joy just explodes out of him. Now, my personal experience after 40 years of this, I met folks who just plumb miserable and loved to share it. <laughs> and truth of the matter was, they had nothing wrong with them. Had a pretty good life. They had a good husband, good wives. They had good health. I've known other people Everything in the world was wrong in their life. I've watched people suffering from cancer so bad couldn't raise their head up just smiling and talking about how wonderful Jesus is. It is not, listen, your joy can't be hinged on your circumstances. Matter of fact, we reached a place nothing can be hinged on your circumstances anymore. So I'd be happy if I got me a bigger house. You'd be mad because you'd have to dust it longer. <laughs> America has told us if I could just, if I could just, we need to get out of if land and get into his word. It's not your circumstances, dear ones. I've seen people such joy and they were in the worst craps, messes. I've seen other people, they had everything with a cherry on top and nothing could make them happy. It's not your circumstances. It's in the Lord himself. And <laughs> this, this, I just, once in a while I ask people, what's wrong with you? And they'll go in this long litany of, you know, whatever. And I think, wrong answer. I said, no, it's Demons. Demons are what's wrong with you. Quit fellowshipping with them. Quit drinking coffee with them. You'll look that up sometime. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 21 says this. Quit fellowshipping with demons. 
You can't fellowship with the Holy Spirit and a demon spirit at the same time. The Holy Spirit will encourage you, build you up, bring you peace, talk to you about how much God loves you, talk to you about what a wonderful future you got. He's one you want to be fellowshipping with. Now, you don't hear it here. It's in here. It's in here. But the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 10, 21, you say, well, that's not for Christians. To the church. You can't get any more Christian than to the church. To the church. I would not have you fellowshipping with demons. You can't fellowship with demons and the Holy Spirit. So you get up in the morning, first thing you do, let me, let me go get a cup of coffee and my favorite demon, he's going to get a cup of coffee and we're going to sit here at his table and I'm just going to listen to him. I just want him to talk to me first thing in the morning. You know what that's called? That's called fellowshipping with demons. Yeah, you may say it like this. I was just sitting here drinking my coffee thinking about my problems. That's fellowshipping with demons. You need to fellowship with Jesus. All right, I'm fixing to go deep here. Jesus is better for you than demons. And he's more fun too. Just thought I'd throw that in. All right. You, you have to, joy is chosen and deliberately fought for. It don't come by accident. You got to make up your mind. As you can, if it would just came, he'd just say, well, I'll give it to you. That's why he said in Philippians 4, you got to do something. And matter of fact, he said in, it's the reason he said it twice. He's wanting you to get something here. All right. Here's the five R's of fighting for joy in this passage. Philippians chapter four, verses four through eight is the most life-changing passage when it comes to our heart attitudes. And there's five R's in here. I'm going to give you all five of them. And then I want you to practice. But let me point something. This is fun. Listen to me. If you ever find out what it's like to put the enemy on his rear end and get him out of your head, you will say, this is so much fun. I think I'll do it again. It really, listen, the word of God is so powerful. It's the easiest thing in the world to get that garbage out of your head if you just know how to do it. All right, Philippians chapter four. We're going to look at the five R's. The five R's. Our number one is rejoice. I, the, you know what the word rejoice means? Uh, it, literally, the word is to begin to celebrate. It means to jumpstart your joy. Now, I've heard these people say they wake up and when they're so full of joy and peace, I feel like crap first thing in the morning. You make me sick. I hope you feel bad tomorrow morning. <laughs> but I do not get out of that bed till I'm rejoicing in the Lord. I know the joy's in there. You just got to jumpstart. You know what jumpstart means? Anybody old enough remember when you jumpstarted vehicles? Well, you can't now, modern ignition, all that mess. We had no Studebaker truck wouldn't crank. And Mom would get in and she'd put us young and we'd push and she'd turn the switch on. We'd get it going. She'd pop the clutch. You know what pop the clutch is? Do that and it'd, it'd, run, run, it'd take off. She'd say, y'all get in the back. We'd get in the back and go off somewhere. Well, it, it ran fine, but you had to jumpstart it. You couldn't sit there and wait. on The joy of Jesus is in you. Amen. He's not, you got to do something. You want to look that up? It's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. I remind you, stir up the gift of God that is in you. The very gift of God's in you, but he's not going, you're going to be happy whether you like it or not. He's not going to do that to you. You're the one who's got it. You, listen, Jesus died to save you 2,000 years ago. I didn't get saved till I did something about it. He has done what he's going to do. He's waiting on me to do something about it. And you stir up the gift of God that's within us. What is the mark of the Holy Spirit? Do I know? It's not weirdness. Acts chapter 13, 52. Then the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and joy always go together. And he is the spirit of joy. That's why I said, I'm going to give you the garment of praise and the oil of joy for the heaviness and the spirit of mourning. So you got to stir up, do that. Listen, here's how you do it. Mm. You, I don't care what mode you're in. I don't care. First thing in the morning, you've been in a bad meeting with somebody. You had a fight with your mate. I don't care what it is. You can start joy, stir it up in it. Rejoice. Um, anytime you want to. And the Bible's very clear about how to do that. You don't have joy by thinking about crap. 
What you doing? I was just sitting here thinking about my problems. Pardon me while I go somewhere. Dear ones, you rejoice very clear. You, what's the inner, how do you start? How do you start? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Get your mind right and quit thinking about the mess. Quit thinking about what they said about you. Quit thinking about your mistakes. Turn your eyes on Jesus and begin to tell him how wonderful he is and start counting your many blessings one by one and celebrating his goodness, whether you feel like it or not. You don't wait till you feel like it. You do it to feel like it. You stir up the gift of God within you. I do this every morning, first thing before I get out of bed. I'm scared to get out of bed without help. My second one comes when I finally get breakfast in front of me and I get quiet there. And I want, to th- I want to thank you for a beautiful home to live in. Thank you for a good woman. Thank you for a good night's rest. Thank you for health at this ripe old age. Thank you for love and grace and mercy and peace. Thank you for turkey sauce. I just go right down the list. And after about 45 seconds to a minute, all of a sudden something right down here, something right down here just starts rising up and there's a sweetness that comes up. And, it, and it, you that's what you call stir up the gift of God. That's called rejoicing in the Lord. Listen, you, you, you better learn how to crank your own motor. So I go to church, get fired up. You need to learn how to do this on your own. Church ain't always with you. But horny head's always with you. And Jesus is always in here. And you got to rejoice in the Lord on your own. And listen, we need to practice this. All right, I'm going to save the rest of that. Number two, the second R is in verse five. It says this, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is standing right beside you. Now, gentleness is not the best word, uh, uh, let me put this in a translation you understand. Relax. The second R is relax. Let your relaxed, laid back, faith-filled, confident spirit be seen by everybody. Jesus is standing right there. If you're concerned about what's going on, let me tell you the most important thing you need to know about what's going on today. Jesus is standing right beside you. That's the most important thing you need to know. And guess what? He can handle it, so you need to relax. I'm convinced God's people just need to Relax. Could we take a chill here without a pill? I mean, you just relax. If you need a pill, take the gospel. That's the one that'll help you the most. Look, can I ask you a simple question that Jesus asked in Luke chapter 11? Which of you by fretting and striving and worrying has ever changed anything? Added one cubit to your stack. You're not going to change anything by being upset. So quit doing it. Just, I'm, I'm going to relax. Put it in the hands of the Lord. We'll see that in a second. The second R is relax. The third R... <laughs> This is where I usually get a little kickback. Take it up with the one who wrote it. The third R, verse six, be worried for nothing. You got to make up your mind. I refuse to worry anymore. The greatest joy stealer in your life is worrying about what's going on in your life. Worry is the greatest thief in your life. Worrying about your kids. I'm telling you, the spirit of Satan is the spirit of worry. The spirit of God is the spirit of faith. Mom will make an announcement. I know that church is in a mess and folks are falling away from the faith. Let me tell you what my king said, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now abide forever faith, hope, and love. They're going to be here no matter what happens. There was worry will suck the life out of you. Worry will make you, old, medical doctors will tell you, worry will make you old man before your time. You got to make up your mind. I'm not going to worry anymore. I'm done worried. Don't, close your mouth. Flies are going to get in. Don't like you never heard this before. You say, I can't help it. I want you to look at that verse right there. Be anxious. Anxious means worry. Be worried for nothing. You know what the Word of God tells you right there? Worry is a choice. Worry is a choice. Now, your enemy can tempt you to worry. He can get in your head. Garbage can go on around you. But the bottom line is, you never worry one time until you choose to do it. So that tells me if you choose to do it, you can choose not to do it. 
I ain't making much progress down here, Jesus. Help them. I'm not worried about it, though, because I know what the Word says. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. You got to settle something in your heart right here. Who wrote that book? Who wrote that book? Who said, don't ever worry about anything? You don't think he's got an answer and can handle it? It's almost like Christians think it's, it would be sinful not to worry. Come on, man. It is sinful to disobey God. I, I've, had, I've taught on this. Five people say, Brother Brian, you just can't help but worry. I said, no, no, no. You can't help but worry. I decided I was going to quit a long time ago. Let me tell you what I learned about people in churches. Like churches, people are the most worrying people I've ever met. Let me tell you what I've learned about people like to worry. They want you to worry with them. And it hacks them off when you refuse to do it. So be it. I ain't got but one life to live and I'm going to enjoy it. And you've got to make up your mind. See why there's a battle? You need to make a decision tonight before you walk out of this room. I repent of worry. Tonight you're telling me worry is a sin. I'm going to worry about that. Wait a minute. You can change your life anytime you want to. Jesus died for you to change and the word of God's given to help you do it. Once you make up your mind tonight, I'm not going to worry anymore. So I tried that. No, you didn't try it his way. Make up your mind. I'm going to help with that in just a second. <laughs> I'm going to tell you though, worry is a battle. Of all the things I had to get, you know, I had to get off cocaine. I had to get off cigarettes. I had to get off wild women. I just stuck with one. All, all, the, thing, <laughs> all the things we get hung up on that we had to get off of. I tell you, worry is the hardest thing I ever, I ever had to overcome. And it still rears its ugly head, ugly head once in a while. But you know what I've decided? All them things combined, cigarettes and booze and wild women, they won't kill you quick as worry will by itself. Once you make up your mind, I'm done. You said, Brother Brown, my grandma, my mama was world champion warriors. I was fixing to win the belt myself. Well, <laughs> get out of it. You be surprised. Just think about this. Can I put something out here? What would your life be like if you never worried about anything the rest of your life? What would it be like? You'd sleep like a baby. I would lie down and your peace would be with me. I mean, you could enjoy your life. Be a great testimony too. <clears throat> All right, here, here's the deal. He follows this up in verse six. The fourth R is release. Anybody here got needs? How many of you got concerns? We all do. I got a family. I got a business. I got a ministry. We all got health problems we deal with sometimes. All of us have got concerns and cares. So Brother Bond, if I can't worry about them, what am I going to do with them? Glad you asked. He's got the answer. Verse six, be worried for nothing, but in everything, everything. Somebody take a wild guess. Help me here. What's the Greek word everything mean? In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What do you say? Instead of you worrying about it, you take that issue of your life and you just hand it up to the Father. And prayer with what? Didn't say prayer with whining, prayer with thanksgiving. Now, Father, listen, here, get this verse. You need to memorize this, 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your concerns upon him because he cares for you. That man nailed his son to a cross to take care of me. I'll guarantee he can handle my family problems. He can pay my power bill. And every problem I've got, every need that comes up, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take it and hand it to him. Now, I can handle it or he can handle it. Much easier for him to handle it. And he said, instead of you worrying about it, why don't you just give it to me? And it's a deliberate act in prayer. And I do this. A lot of times I'll just pitch it. Like, I'll just go like that. And I'll just say, Father, I got this church need, personal need. I'm struggling with this. And this is a, this is a battle and it's a problem. And I'm not going to worry about it because you set me free from that. And in the name of Jesus, I'm going to give this to you. It's yours. And I praise you and thank you that you're going to handle it. And it's yours now. 
There it goes. You said, Brother Brown, is that that easy? Would you want him to make it hard? <laughs> it's that easy. And you just make up your mind, I'm not going to worry about anything longest day of my life. Thought comes in your mind. I wonder what they think about that. I wonder what they, listen, them thoughts are killing you right there. What other people think. Listen, I, a good name is to be chosen. That I don't care what nobody thinks. Well, you in the other ditch. I want to be loved by people. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to lose a moment's sleep over it. If it comes up, I'm going to just say, now, Lord Jesus, if I made a mistake, tell me I'll make it right. But I can't influence anybody because we're all crazy down here. You know that except you. And in the name of Jesus, I just give that to you, Paul. A lot of people think I'm uh, setting butter. I just go around all day like I'm setting them butterflies. There it is. There's it. Right there it is. Your, your joy will be destroyed by worrying about stuff. Take your cares and leave them there. We, I love those songs we sang years ago in the church of God. Leave them there, leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. If you'll trust and never doubt, God will surely bring you out. So, well, we've got to practice it. You've got to practice it tomorrow morning. And uh, if you can't do it, some of the folks in my office will think I'm goofy. You better take that to him also. Go in the bathroom where they can't see you. All right, now here's the big one. Leave it there. Now here's the big one. There's one more R. Here's the big one. If you're going to be free from worry, you've got to remove that stinking thinking. You've got to get that stinking thinking out of your head. I'm going to teach you something great here. Read verse 8 with me. Finally, my brethren. <clears throat> Finally, my brethren. Whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, virtuous, praiseworthy, nail your mind to these things. What does meditate mean? Think on Dwell on, roll it over and over in your mind. I, I, I memorized those eight things. That is the parameter of my thinking, but I memorized them with different words. Let me give you from another version the words that I use for these eight things. Is it true? If it ain't true, I'm not thinking about it. Is it inspiring? Does it build you up? Then I'm not thinking about it. Is it honorable? Then I ain't thinking about it. Is it pure? Is this pure? Are these thoughts pure? Then you're going to get out of my head right now. Is it beautiful? I love to think beautiful thoughts. Well, if it ain't beautiful, get out of Dodge, Doc. <clears throat> is it encouraging? Good report means encouraging, faith building. Does, does what I'm thinking about, is it encouraging me right now or not? Well, if it's discouraging me, why would I leave it in there? He told me if it's not encouraging, don't think about it. Get it out of your head. Number seven, is it excellent? Christians love to talk about how rotten this nation is. Ain't nothing excellent about that. And then what's the last one? Is it praiseworthy, the Bible says, or my word is joyous. Does this thought bring me joy? This thought don't bring me joy? Out the door, Jack. He said, Brother Mine, can a, can a person really live like that? What's the word of God say right there? Be worried for nothing. You don't have to live like that. <clears throat> Relax. Jesus is who he says he is. I made up my mind. I'm not going to worry anymore. If something does come up, I'll just give it to him. But where's the real battle? Between these ears right here. The real battle is between these ears and it's about what we choose to think about. Let me give you a, <clears throat> here's a revelation from God's word. Misery starts in your mind. Worry and doubt and all that gall, misery, it starts in your mind. You have never been miserable until you started thinking a certain way. Listen to me. Joy starts in the mind too. Everything starts right here in the mind. It all starts with you thinking. And this is the great, uh, <clears throat> It's the great battle for the mind. All right, let me give you two truths from Scripture about, about how things flow in your life. Number one, the mind is the gate to the heart. Your mind, nothing's ever gotten in your heart till it came through your mind first. 
The mind is the gateway to the heart. That's uh, Hebrews 4.12 tells you that. Your mind is your gateway to the heart. You, you uh, <clears throat> evil or good, everything that gets in your heart has to come through this head right here. For instance, before a man turned, walked away from his family, turned his back on his family and ran off on his wife with some young chick at work or some old chick at work or whatever, way before he did that, guess where it started? Started in this noodle right here. You think Jesus put that in his head? Unholy devil put it in there. Before anybody ever killed anybody in anger, guess where it started? It started as a thought. Everything starts in seed thought form. That's why he said you better guard your head. Right? You guard your head because your head is the gateway to your heart. But listen to me. Everything, your heart is the avenue of your life. Everything in your life comes out of your heart. Proverbs 4.22, guard your heart. Because out of the heart come all the issues of life. You treat people like you treat them. You act like you act. You make decisions like you do because of what's in your heart. But the way you guard your heart is to guard your head because it comes through your head. That's why he says, listen, get your thinking right. Get the stinking thinking out of your head. <clears throat> and there's a great battle. I'm going to make a statement here. You see what you, from scripture, see what you think about this. An undisciplined mind is Satan's playground. An undisciplined mind is the enemy's playground. And if he wants to ruin your life, your marriage, your future, guess where he's going to start? He's going to start right here. And he's going to start with thoughts. And this is where he always starts at. That's why I'm going to put the guard right there. Now, listen to this. I'm going to give you this from scripture about thinking. You will choose your thoughts deliberately or they'll be chosen for you by somebody else. You will choose what you think about every moment. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 10 where it talks about bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You'll either choose your thoughts or they'll be chosen for you by somebody you don't want choosing them. And I do not want the murderer picking my thoughts for me. Because I promise you, he's up to no good in that. There's a, <laughs> the secret to joy is comes back to get your head right. All right. Um, we're on, we're, turn one page to the right, something in Colossians. Let me show you something here. Make a statement here. And then, listen, the lazy mind's getting us killed today. All right, Colossians chapter two, excuse me, three. I love this verse, right? Colossians three says this. So brother, by now that I'm Christian, what do I need to do? Well, let's read it. If you were raised with Christ in baptism, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. What's the first three words in verse two? Set your mind. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Discipline your mind and put it on great things. Now, it doesn't mean you go around thinking about clouds in heaven all the time. My gosh, you'll bump your head. It means you set your mind on high things, beautiful things. But can you see in there that the secret to following Christ is to control your mind? Set your mind means take authority over it. Take, take hold of your mind and discipline that mind. <clears throat> Here's my statement. Only a disciplined mind will enjoy the joy and the hope and the peace of God. There's no difference in you and any other Christian. No difference in me and anybody else. I got the same Jesus. You got the same Jesus. We got the same Bible. Got the same everything. Everybody's got the same thing. What's the difference in people's lives? It's the way they think. It's the way they manage their minds. Manage your mind and you'll manage your life. Get your mind in order. Your life will be in order. Let me ask you a question. You ever suffer from anything without thinking about it first? This, this is not rocket science. This is so simple. All right. Let me help you on, on a, on a uh, we got to hurry. Let me help you on a daily thing here. <clears throat> You leave the chicken house unguarded, the fox is going to get in there. And he's out there. All right, first thing, starting first thing in the morning, set your mind on things above. And I'm not talking about the verse in Leviticus. I'm talking about the things above are the love of Jesus. We sing those songs, says, think about his love. Think about his goodness. 
Think about the grace that he's brought to you. What do we think about? Let me, let me just challenge you here. Think about what you're thinking about. Look at what you're thinking about all day today. You just letting, are you letting the devil just shovel his garbage in there? You choose what goes in this noggin right here. And you start every morning. I start every morning as soon as I get conscious, barely. Now, my wife's one of them amazing people. Buddy, that clock rings at five o'clock. She's straight out of the bed and she's gone. I'm surprised she don't make it up with me in it. She just gone. <laughs> By 5.01, she, she's doing business somewhere. Me, I, I sort of come around like that old Studebaker, sort of slow to, slow to get going. But I've learned, I've learned this. The moment I gain conscious, I'm going up with these thoughts. And I'm going to start praising him, thanking him, and worshiping him, and thinking about the goodness of the Lord. And I'm going to magnify him. And I, I never throw them covers back till I say, this is going to be the greatest day of my life. Because this is the day the Lord has made. And I'm going to rejoice and be glad in this day. Whole time feeling like I just got run over by a herd of camels. You don't have to feel it to say it. Let me tell you what I'll do. Let me tell you what I do once more just to get somebody. I'll see the promises of his goodness, his grace, his mercy. The Lord is my shepherd. And I'll go like this. What do you know? It's even in there when it's closed. He is who he is. Truth is what it is all the time. Whether I feel it or not, whether I listen, he is who he is all the time. His goodness is there all the time. But you let him start your day. And listen, you, you got to, the Bible says guard. That's what they, you guard your mind all day long. And pray, Holy Spirit, help me. If I get out of bounds with my thinking, now just, what are the eight parameters? If it's not true, if it's not inspiring, if it's not honorable, if it's not pure, if it's not beautiful, if it's not encouraging, if it's not excellent, if it doesn't make me want to shout, I don't want to think about that. You said, man, you can't think about nothing, can you? Well, I feel sorry for me. I can't think about the garbage everybody's feeding on. Don't want to. Now listen to me. This is a, this is a battle. And you get in trouble sometimes. Just It was Monday afternoon. I was working on something. Had my tools in. I was working. And all of a sudden, I caught myself. And my mind had wallowed off down a trail it shouldn't have gone on. And I was thinking, I was thinking a discouraging thought. This ain't going to never work out. It ain't going to never work out. Like God Almighty ain't who he says he is. But I caught myself thinking like that. Now listen to me. Don't waller in it. And one of the dumbest things you can do is when you find yourself on the wrong trails, keep going. I hope it's just us tonight. Can I say it? Hope this don't offend you. I would never talk to you like I do to me. <laughs> I am not putting up with this stuff in my life. And I say this, anytime I catch my mind where it doesn't need to be, I don't, I don't just go like that. I say something to me. And I say the same thing. <laughs> Might as well go ahead and say it, Biggers, you're going to get killed. I, say, I, file that down. I said to myself, Biggers, get your head out of your rear end, get it back up where it belongs. I say that anytime I catch my mind where it doesn't belong, I just, it's just sort of something I do to make sure. What are you thinking about that for? You know you don't think like that. Now get it back up where it belongs. And get it back on the truth of his goodness. Get it back on his word. And uh, I, again, please don't put that on the internet. Nothing like that. I, but I've made up my mind. Jesus died for me to have life. I'm going to fight for it. And he, I'm not going to let my head be the gateway for garbage. Because if it gets in your head, guess where else it'll get? Get in your heart, get in your mouth, get in your life. Guard your head. Put the thing on your head and guard it like that. And then uh, let me tell you what the deal is. So well, it's just so much junk out there. No, no, that's a, you believe the lie. There's good stuff out there. There's good stuff in that book right there. If, he, if there weren't beauty and hope and grace to look at, he wouldn't have told you to do it. And so it's harder than it's ever been. Muscle up, candy cane. You can do it. Get your big boy britches. Go down to Belks and get you some. Get them on, Doc. 
we got to break with this. If it's easy, I'll do it. You're getting crushed. <laughs> I was ugly. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm being ugly to you tonight. And then you need to finish the day looking up. Last thing on my mind at night is going to be the good news that brings great joy of Jesus. Don't you dare go to sleep with garbage on your mind. You want to destroy, go to sleep in anger. Because when you go to sleep in anger, you say, my mind's wide open, dear Satan, come during the night. You go to sleep with gratitude on your mind and gratefulness and joy and hope. Go to sleep with the word of God. Usually the verse I close the day with is, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his kindness endures forever. Now you go to sleep with that on your mind. Because I'm going to tell you something, your spirit never sleeps. Your body sleeps, but your spirit never sleeps. And you need to put truth in there, last thing on your mind. And then you wake up, you know, four hours later, you wake up in the morning and you think, oh my gosh, no, 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 that's the wrong way. Battleless thing. All right, I'm gonna, turn with me to 1 Peter 5, 8. Let's just quit. We gotta get the choir over singing. 1 Peter 5, 8, I'm gonna tell you something. You better start taking this actor serious. You better start taking this guy serious. He's trying to get in your head. He's wreaking havoc in our land today. Well, I can't help what other people do. I love people. I'm going to cheer for people. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it's not coming to this house. You got to make up your mind. Now, let me tell you one thing. The Spirit of God was speaking to me earlier today about this. There's not a battle between Almighty God and Satan. There's no battle there at all. If, if they were like we were to set up a fight between God Almighty and Satan, Satan wouldn't even show up. He is scared spitless of him. I mean, every demon Jesus dealt with trembled and begged to get away from him. There is no battle. Listen, my heavenly father, the Bible said on a set day, Revelation 20, he's going to speak one word and it's going to crush the powers of hell for all of eternity. There's no battle between the father and Satan. Who's the battle between? Me and my enemy. Here's the battle. My heavenly father could crush him. Do you know what my father wants to do? He wants to see me win the thing. Let me give you a parable of this. My little boy started playing ball. Five years old, I think it's called T-ball. You know what T-ball is? Little boys, you know, helmet down their eyes, can't see it. They set a ball on a tee and the little boys go up there and hit it off. You can't pitch it, they never hit it. They whack it off that tee. Well, you know, little boys are playing T-ball out there and they don't know who's on what team or, or where to go and they're out there. And you know, my son get up and he's going to bat that ball. And uh, I, I wanted him to win. I wanted him to score. Well, you know what the easiest thing to do if I wanted him to win was? Just go out there and do it myself. You know, just step over the fence. You know, I played in college, played baseball, played traveling softball. I get, that was in my 40s then. I'd knock that thing out of sight. That's not, I could easily win it. I want him to win. I want him to do the victory. I want him to do it. My heavenly father opened his mouth one time and Satan be crushed forever. He wants his people to win. He's cheering for his people to walk in victory. That's why I said in 1 Peter 5, 8. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this. Be sober. Now, it doesn't mean like quit drinking alcohol, though I'd highly advise that to some of you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking a marriage, a home, a heart, a life, or a land he can destroy. I'm going to tell you, there's a real enemy, and he's walking around seeking to destroy something. But can you not tell by the context of that verse and the makeup of it? You don't have to let it happen. What does be sober, be vigilant mean? It means you pay attention. Get your head in the ball game and listen right here. Watch this right here. I had a friend of mine. He went to be pastor of a church and it was a church from hell, number nine. And uh, 
Them people was crazy as a loon. They, they threw rocks through his window. And one night a gunshot went through his window. I mean, he was just, he was a hard preacher. But them, them people was crazy at that church. And he told me, he said, uh, after that gunshot went through that window, he said, no, they never confirmed that it was a church member, but the sheriff told me it was probably so. He said, I put my family in that bed. I put them all in the bed. My wife, two kids, put them in the bed. And I sat at the foot of that bed with a shotgun across my lap at night. And I'd rest. I'd just sit down at the bed and rest, sleep when I kill that shotgun. I thought, that's, that's my kind of preacher right there. You know what he's doing? He didn't say, well, there's nothing you can do about it. He was being vigilant because he knew there was an adversary out there trying to hurt my family. You need to be the same way for your head. You need to guard your head. And you need, <laughs> let me tell you one of the words. This, I know this is going to sound crazy to you. He has whooped on me enough when I was young. I'm going to return the favor. You know how you return the favor to the enemy of your soul who's done so much damage? You walk in joy in front of him and every time he get, you just open your mouth and say, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. I mean, every time he gets around, load his wagon with the truth he can't stand to hear. A praising, celebrating, happy, joyous, look at this smile on my face. I'm going to be with Jesus one day and you're going to fry like bacon, sucker. You just talk to him. I mean, joy, I just think joy pisses him off to no end because he will never know any again. I probably shouldn't. Just take the whole thing off tonight. None of it's good. You can change right now. You can change right now. Jesus has given you the power to change. Listen, it's your head. You control it. It's your life. Do what you want to do with it. You can change the way you live right now. You can follow Jesus fully right now. And you quit playing games with him and start following him fully. You can quit worrying right now. So I'll never do it again as long as my life. The fellow who helped me so much, he said, you know, I was sick when I was young. It was terrible. I said, my family worried. And he said a word. And all of a sudden one day God convicted me. <clears throat> July the 4th, 1935. He said, God convicted me where it was a sin. And he said, if it's a sin, I'm going to repent. He said, I repent right now. I said, Father, it's July the 4th, 1935, here in the east bedroom of such and such a house at such and such address. He said, I repent of worrying. I'll never do it again long as day of my life. And he told me he did that. And I said, would you ever, you ever worry again after that? Isn't that stupid? Somebody said they repented. You asked them if they did it again? <laughs> he said, I, I was tempted a few times and said, I come close, passed up a marvelous opportunity to worry now and then. But he said, you know, when you change, you change when you make up your mind, you're going to do it. You can't sort of ease in. You can't sort of make, might sort of might be married. You got to walk down. I'll make a commitment. You can't be free. You decide you want to be free. You can't quit wearing You make up your mind tonight. You can't celebrate Jesus and follow him. But you nail it down at one point in time. Right there's where I did it. And you need them markers in your life. Look back. when You tempted to worry. Say, apparently you weren't there. Back in March of 2022, when inside the Lamb's Chapel Baptist Church, is that what we are? Lamb's Chapel Baptist Church. I decided right there, I'm done worrying and I ain't going back. You'll be worried about that now. I ain't going back either. Make up your mind. We need to quit dilly-dallying with this stuff and make up our minds. You can change right now. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you and thank you and praise you. Thank you that truth was given to us to set us free. And I thank you that heaven is pure joy. Your word says that where you are right now, there's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Thank you that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of joy and the fruit of the spirit work in our lives is love, joy, and peace. Thank you so much for the joy that Jesus brings. Dear Jesus, if you never did another thing for me, if, if I didn't have the beautiful home, if I didn't have the great wife, if I didn't have the great church, if I didn't have a, the, all this stuff, 
the fact that I'm not going to burn in hell is joy eternal for me. Thank you for the goodness. And then on top of salvation, you've thrown all this other stuff in. Got the greatest friends in the world. Got good health. You, you just, I praise you and thank you for the goodness of the Lord. Take this simple lesson of your word tonight and help people turn their hearts toward heaven. I pray for the folk, everybody in this room, dear Jesus, pray for everybody. They don't have to be mashed down anymore. It is not normal to live under the spirit of heaven. It's normal in the Christian life is the joy of Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name, light a fire inside them that they will fight for joy. And say, so I'm going to be the joy of the earth, the joy of the Lord in the earth. I trust you for that. Well, now, Lord Jesus, let's get more on the boat in case you're coming back soon. I pray your spirit go through this room right now. People that have been monkeying with you for years and can't decide and halfway in, halfway out, speak to them and tell them, like a bride waiting for the groom, Jesus is coming back. I pray, draw people to your dear son. Father, Holy Spirit, walk up and down the aisles of this room and draw people to Jesus right now. I trust you for that. Thank you for your goodness. Well, friend, you got to make a decision about Jesus. He is Lord and hope. He's life. He's eternal life. He's everything good, but he never forces anybody. You have to choose to follow him or you have to choose to reject him. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you've nailed it down, I'm going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. This is the night you need to do it. You can't be a fan of Jesus. You either love him or you hate him. You're either on his team or you're against. Jesus said, he who is not with me is against me. Now, dear one, are you with him or are you against him? Let's get on the right team tonight. He loves you. He died for you on a cross and you can be his follower tonight, starting right now. Let's humbly play a simple prayer. Pray with me, seated right there where you're at. In the inner sanctuary of your heart, you mean it. Let's say this prayer to Jesus. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross to save me and help me. And I believe in you. I believe you rose from the grave, Almighty. I bow my heart before you tonight. I make a decision to follow you as my Lord and Savior. I turn from my sins and I ask you to forgive me, knowing you will. And I ask you to help me follow you and love you. Dear Jesus, I don't want a little bit. I want to follow you completely, all my heart. Thank you that when you come back, you'll smile on me and take me with you. A hundred years from now, I'll be in your presence life forevermore. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer tonight. Thank you for saving my soul for all of eternity. I pray this prayer in the strong name of Jesus, mighty son of God, forever rules. If you prayed that in a minute, raise your hand real high where I can see it. Put your hand up, one hand up. Thank you. God bless you. Put those down. Father, I want to praise you and thank you for your goodness. I, I just, I long for you to come back, but I long for everybody to get in first. This train's fixing to leave the station, Lord Jesus. I want everybody on it before you leave. Oh, the, the only thing we do with our lives, what will we do with the one who died for us? Thank you for these. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. I pray in Jesus' name as the culture goes darker, we will get brighter and we will be the light of the world. Now, we may not be that smart. We may not be able to sing. We may not be able to preach, but we can show shine. And I want us to be the light of the world in this area. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name we pray, amen.